this week on Erotic Awakening, Aftercare, The Missing Egg, and 10 Poly Fails. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you're offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. The Erotic Awakening podcast is grateful to the support we get from Patreons who receive ad-free early access to the podcast, as well as other fantastic perks. So thank you to all of our supporters. Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. How are you now? Um, not so great, actually, but it'll be <laughs> all right. I love doing the podcast. You did uh, sleep like 900 hours today or something. I did. Um, that's my first flu shot. I had that a couple of days ago. The first one in like uh, 13 years or something crazy like that. It's been a long time. But um, I am all vaccinated up with all the vaccines I think I can get right now. <laughs> between between flu, COVID, shingles, I'm on board. Good deal. Um, I am grateful that you are taking care of yourself. Awesome. Well, feels like the right thing to do with all the traveling we're getting ready to do. So it feels like the right thing to do regardless. Very true. So tonight on the podcast, speaking of taking care of yourself, we're going to talk about taking care of each other. We're going to talk about aftercare. One of the first things people try to shove down your throat when you get involved in the BDSM <laughs> play. And we'll talk about why they do that. <laughs> that is true. Also, you have come up with a new list, uh, Poly Fails, and we're going to start working our way through that list. Mm-hmm. And also, the mystery of the missing egg. We'll come back to that in just a moment, Dawn. Um, so, what is this aftercare thing that people tell us about? Well, it is the whole idea of taking care of a bottom after a kink scene, a BDSM scene, so something like that. But that's not the only time aftercare is used. I mean, we've used aftercare after ritual. Right mm -hmm. when we've done sacred sexuality rituals, and um, sometimes we've done aftercare in our poly life. Like if someone's yep. gone on a trip with another poly partner, when we come back, we see if aftercare is needed with our partner that didn't get to go. You know, things like that. So it's all about taking care of another person after an event has happened, and that or is yourself. That the 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 call out about aftercare for polyamory is a great. Uh, comment we'll come back to that one okay in general though i think you're right when people think about aftercare they think about after a scene mm -hmm. and here's the thing right when you do a bdsm scene whether it's spanking or a bullwhip or just an extended tying scene there is a physiological and emotional change that happens to the receiver to the bottom right and you know, it, it's a very intense, often, it's a very intense sort of situation. Aftercare is, after the scene is officially over, to help that bottom translate, transfer? Transition. Transition, thank you. Hmm. From um, that... Floaty headspace? Yeah, that heightened floaty headspace into, I'm able to walk around by myself and not walk into walls. Right. The one... I think just this is not a great example, but the one that sticks to my head is we took uh, Amber the rope slut to go get her nipples pierced. Do you remember that? I do. And, <laughs> and after on a busy that, street, walking yes, out the door on a busy street, she was ready to just walk out into traffic. Yeah, that's a different sort of thing. 
Um, but it yeah, is that yeah. same sort of thing to help them trans help that person transition from one aspect to another. Right, because the actually the piercing caused a um a, a flood of endorphins, mm-hmm. and when the flood of endorphins happens, we're not. I mean, we can actually go into a um there is a gnosis yes gnosis yes gnosis a gnosis state so which is kind of like a um yep words are leaving me disassociated state mm, sort good of good right word. so yeah. she was disassociated she was in her own little world and had no clue she was getting ready to walk out in front of a car so and if i'm in a dungeon same thing can happen if i get all floaty and i get into that gnostic state if i get into that 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 uh, headspace that subspace that whatever mm-hmm. and i walk away from a scene without grounding first and to me aftercare is about grounding especially in a scene then i who knows where the hell i'll end up at making bad decisions or in a corner crying somewhere and it could also be very <laughs> jarring to have somebody yes. just be in the, you know this intense sort of thing one of these bdsm scenes um and then all of a sudden when it's wound down to just say okay well that was fun thanks and take off right that can be very jarring for the person mm-hmm. yeah that's why i make sure to cover aftercare in my negotiations before a scene so that is one of the first things that we would want to bring up would be as we're negotiating a scene right so in the negotiative negotiation of a scene perhaps we're going to do some needle play mm-hmm. and we would be if we were negotiating a needle play scene we would be very clear about how you know where are you going to put needles are you going to wear gloves what are your safety steps mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff to then say and then for aftercare what do you require for aftercare and make that part of the negotiation as well now I, they, yeah, they I, often say that you know that goes both ways what do doms need what do tops need for aftercare as well and we'll touch on that. But primarily when people talk about aftercare, they're talking about what is it that the bottom is going to need to move them from that elevated state to where they're comfortable going back to whatever it is that they're going to do. And there's there's options to think about, right? So if I'm in a needle play scene with Dan, then my aftercare could be as simple as just snuggling under a blanket in a corner after the scene, you know, a little bit of water, a little bit of chocolate, 10 minutes. You used to have a song that you would play for us mm-hmm. so we knew how long 10 minutes was, you know, that sort of thing. So, and that's, but if I did needle play with someone else, I'd have to really think about that because needle play actually hits my endorphins, which puts me in a very vulnerable state, mm-hmm. right? If I don't know that person, I may not want to do aftercare with them. I may have it, I may, but I may have it to where I tell them, you know, when we're done playing, once I'm wrapped up in a blanket and have a glass of water, I'd like to be taken to Dan. Mm -hmm. Right? And then you and I would do the aftercare coming down so that I would feel like I'm in a safe place while I come back to Earth. You know, that sort of thing. And that may work. And you've had that happen. We played with someone in, what, Utah? You played with someone in Utah, and that's what they negotiated at the very beginning was you would play with them, wrap them in a blanket, and then take them to their friends. Mm-hmm. And their friends would provide the aftercare. Yeah. The the interesting part is that different people need different things for aftercare. Um, it can be that you, you know, the, the classic thing is I need water and a chocolate 
and a couple minutes to ground, right? That's, you know, one of the more common things. Obviously, if you're allergic to chocolate, that wouldn't be a great idea. Some people, their idea of aftercare, what I need for aftercare is I need you to leave me the fuck alone, mm-hmm. right? Put me in a corner and let me deprocess. I'll de-stress myself. I'll deprocess myself. Right. Very common style of aftercare is, and I would say the most common one that I have been re- that's been requested of me, of people that already have existing partners, take me to my partner. Yep. Let them do the cuddles or the aftercare or whatever. And the other thing to keep in mind is that not everybody needs aftercare, mm-hmm. right? I would absolutely bring it up in negotiation, whether I'm a top or a bottom. I would bring it up, you know, what does someone need or think they'll need? So oh, two things there, right? Um, but not everybody needs aftercare. Some people play just to have that physical sensation, it doesn't really take them anywhere mentally. It doesn't really do anything with chemicals. And that's what they're after. So they don't need aftercare. They should be very upfront that they don't need aftercare. There are some dominants that do not, some tops that do not want to provide aftercare. Mm-hmm. They need to bring that up in negotiation. Does not make them a bad top, right? It makes them someone that knows themselves. And if they're not good at providing aftercare they just need to be very upfront with it, right? So that the bottom can figure out what they're going to need and how it's going to be provided. One of the things that you and I used to suggest might be unskillful or even wrong is a dom that says, I don't do aftercare. Or Mm -hmm. a dom that says, um, for aftercare, I want a blowjob. And as time goes by, if we're, Talking about an, the ethical dom, right? Neither one of those aftercare negotiations are bad, is my new opinion. Mm-hmm. Same. It is just a matter of being clear about it up front. If the person who you're getting ready to do this big flogging scene with says, for aftercare, I want to be cuddled under a blanket with my stuffy for 10 minutes, and you reply by saying, well, I don't do aftercare... That's fine. Come up with either A, figure out a way to negotiate around that where the cuddle comes from someone else or figure out the same as if they said, I don't do flogging or I don't do that kind Mm -hmm. of scene. And it's okay to to negotiate to the point and say, oh, we're not compatible for this kind of scene. Let's let's move on with our lives. Well, it's actually kind of, um, I don't know what word to use, but I know in the past there used to be this thought that if a top did not do aftercare, then they were a bad human being. Mm-hmm. So it got to the point where tops would lie about it just so they could get play. You know, there was a couple of times that would happen. Well, no one's going to get what they want out of it if that's the case. So, right, if you're a top that does not do aftercare, that is not your thing, that is not part of your yum, be honest about it so Mm -hmm. that the person negotiating with you can make an informed choice. I mean, that's what consent is about, is informed choices. So, you know, that that makes it all very, very consensual. Now, what is an aftercare bag? So, what I recommend with submissives, um, we used to do a submissive roundtable here in, um, I say here because we're parked here, (laughs) here in Columbus, Ohio. We used to do a submissive roundtable, and one of our topics every year was a submissive aftercare bag. And what that is, is don't, we tell the bottoms, the submissives, not to expect a dominant to carry around a bag with a blanket and chocolate and water bottles in it, right? So, as a submissive, as a bottom, 
have your own aftercare bag. I mean, mm-hmm. I've always had my own blanket, something that was very special mm-hmm. to me, packed in our bag. And if I needed chocolate or if I was off sugar, I would, you know, do an orange or crackers or, you know, whatever, whatever works for you to ground you. And um, I just make sure to bring my own. You know, that's a way of me taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend that to other other bottoms. And, Good stuff. And submissives. And then finally, you had started in the beginning, you had mentioned something along the lines of... Um, actually, not finally, because I have another question, but polyamory aftercare. Mm-hmm. A slightly different situation there, right? That's a different spin on things, but let's touch on it for a moment. As a BDSM scene is a very intense physical interaction. Right. When a, especially in new, and you and I don't really count this needs so much anymore but in the beginning of our polyamory journeys mm-hmm. and we could if someone new ever came into Ooh, our fair, relationship fair. this could happen again right fair enough when uh you go off and with a new partner mm-hmm. or a new experience with an existing partner something that's you know really changes things maybe fluid bonded for the first time, oh, something yeah, like yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of aftercare for that, what your other partner, the you know, is just the recognition that they're dealing with a interesting time, and that you might want, you know, they might want to you to have some extra support, some extra time to help them transition from those insecurities and such into more of a stable. Yeah. You know, and the reason I'm stumbling on this a little bit is not to say that it is the responsibility of the partner doing something new to to fix my insecurities. It is more what we talked about on the podcast not long ago with the idea of compassionate polyamory. It is that courtesy, that generosity to say, I just had a fantastic weekend with my new lover and we went water skiing, and we had a great time. I appreciate that you've been left here keeping an eye on the, the kids. And the cha- dog. And the dog, <laughs> in our case. And I bet that was hard for you. How can I help you transition back? How can I reassure you that our relationship is still loving, strong, mm-hmm. and isn't going anywhere? That's that aftercare for polyamory. Right. And I actually want to cover a lot of that. I know we talk about it in Compassionate um, Polyamory. And we want to write a new class called Team Polyamory. And I want to put it in there, too. You know, as part of the team, you want your team members to be pretty, pretty balanced. And if that means holding their hand for a little bit as they go through something rough emotionally, then that's what we do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny because we say polyamory aftercare, but we've always, we've also used aftercare after swinging episodes, right? So swinging scenes mm-hmm. when we've been with other people because there's times that I've um, been in a swinging environment and then dumb, done something that was totally fucking hot and then at the end like the next morning once I've come down from it it's like oh shit was that too slutty and I've oh, needed aftercare sure. I've okay. needed aftercare yep. the next morning yep. to just chat with you and you know was that too slutty because I, I need some um, um, balance here I, I need some some something from you to. <laughs> <laughs> make sure that everything is still okay with us after the mm-hmm. slutty things we did. <laughs> so, Dawn, nowadays, and you've been doing the, the BDSM for 20 years, what, if you go, if you were, if 
we went to an event and a podcast listener said, oh, I heard about you guys. How would you like to do uh, a flogging scene, Dawn? And you said, okay, sure, I'll do a flogging scene. Okay. What negotiate? What would you negotiate for aftercare nowadays? What is your for oh a, a, a nice normal flogging scene? Normal. You know? It's been two years since I've been flogged. What the hell? <laughs> I don't That's know good. what yeah, I would need yeah, now. Yeah. But but let's say okay, podcast listener, flogging scene. Um, it would kind of depend on whether they were new and they were using me as a learning bottom. Nah, nope, nope, nothing like that. Nothing like that. They know what they're doing. It's a, it's a regular scene. It's a flogging scene. I mean, we'll even go a little bit further. You've seen them flog the night before. You know that you, you know what you're getting into. You know they're oh, skillful. Oh, okay. Well, if I know they're skillful, I know what I'm getting into. That means I'm going to allow my walls to drop mm-hmm. and I'm going to be a little bit more vulnerable. So at this point, what I would want to negotiate is, um... Either some time just sitting with them, wrapped in a blanket with a bottle of water, mm-hmm. until I can breathe enough to bring myself back to the present, assuming I got to subspace. It doesn't always happen, but let's make let's it's just, let's do this as assuming that that might happen. Blanket sitting next to them. I don't need hugs. I don't need cuddles. I just need to sit next to them in their presence. Okay, with a bottle of water. Right. So, and that would pretty much be it. Now, if they were not into aftercare, more than likely, I would want my blanket and just to be able to sit in a quiet corner. And I could do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for flogging. Now, if it was something way more intense than even that, not that flogging can't be intense, but um, I would have to have to take a look at that. Like an interrogation scene or something, mm-hmm. right? That would be something different that I would have to look at the aftercare. But, you know, a, a good, intense flogging scene, more than likely one of those two options are going to work for me. Very cool. You mentioned that we have not been to an event in quite a while. That is true. That streak is going to come going to continue. <laughs> Next up for us, we are doing creating a powerful power exchange relationship for Wicked Grounds, but that is also, that is going to be a virtual event. Mm-hmm. And that's, at, what, the end of November? Yep. The, the positive for that is, that means that, of course, podcast listeners that live nowhere near Wicked Grounds can attend. Mm. So that Fed event, Wicked Grounds usually puts their Fed events their events on FetLife. Mm-hmm. So should be able to find it there. We need to, I'll go look on FetLife tonight, see if I can find it so that it'll, it'll show us as going under our Dan and Dawn Fet profile name. You don't have to go look for it. All you can do is keep up with all of our events, book news, book. I'll try that again. <laughs> you know, our, our editor's going crazy that I had to start this over again. What oh, editor? that's right. <laughs> keep up with all of our events, books, news, and discounts, as well as all kinds of other cool stuff on the Erotic Awakening newsletter. And you'll also get your EA shout out, like Lisa from Nebraska. So head over to eroticawakening.com and subscribe today. Don, I got a random question for you. Okay. Somebody, a yes. Dom, <laughs> power exchange. Now, this is a power exchange relationship. Okay. The Dom in the power exchange relationship said, oh, submissive, take this vibrating egg and slide it into your vagina. <laughs> okay. JJ. Okay. That's cool. Two days later, <gasps> the Dom finds out that the sub still has that egg in there. The, the, the sub says, 
well, I'm trying to be a good follower, sir. And you never said take it out. Who in this scenario, and this is a real scenario, I saw it on one of the groups that I'm on. Who's at fault? Who's at fault? I mean, the, the, the reason yeah. that there is a at fault at all is because you do not want to keep a sex toy in no. your vagina for two days. You know, toxic shock syndrome's a real thing, and I don't know what mm -hmm. uh, this egg is made out of, but, you know, there's just, there's no reason. Nobody wanted, you know, there was just a lack of communication. That's right. the only reason and, it got kept there. And, and I'm thinking both are at fault and both are not at fault, but I'm leaning more towards both are at fault. One gave an order and didn't follow through with it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Taking it out would be following through with it. And the other one, the, the submissive, should have communicated, even if it was, uh, well, I would expect it to be done like, sir, with all due respect, did okay. you mean for this egg to continue to be into me for longer than an extended period of time, <laughs> right? You know, some sort of reminder that it was even a thing, because my assumption is, is that something made him forget, mm -hmm. but, and I'm, yes, it would be him and her, because it's an egg and a vagina, it could and be a her and her. It could be a her and her. But that in is this, true. City, this actual post was a him and her, so keep okay, going. Okay, so, but it is also her responsibility as the submissive, as someone that's supposed to be taking care of herself as property, is how I'm going to word it, right? Um, she should have spoken up and figured out how to speak up, is what I would say at this point in my life. At the beginning of our relationship, I don't know. Though I'd probably be asking other submissives, am I supposed to? Because, because the first time I ever tried nipple clamps, mm -hmm. I had them on for hours. I put them on myself. Mm -hmm. I went to a friend's house. I had them on for hours. And I'm like, hey, guess what? I still got these things on. And she's like, what? Oh, my God, that can cause so much damage and take them off now. And, of course, I screamed and, you know, so <laughs> I just didn't, I just didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. But um, as a submissive following a leader and very new i don't know that i wouldn't have known how to bring it up because it would have felt like a test if mm. i bring it up i'm not listening as a follower i'm questioning his 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 demand you know sort of thing uh, that would actually have been a lot of head I almost said trauma, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of head trauma for me to, to bounce around and think about, you know, do I question it? Is he going to take it the wrong way? You know, do, mm -hmm. do I, do I just grin and bear it? That's what I signed up for, you know, those sort of things. So yeah, both of their faults and neither of their faults. Okay. I, I, I accept that. I, my initial thought was, much less convoluted than yours was to simply say <laughs> as usual <laughs> it was the submissives fault because they need to they needed to speak up they you know i'm fine with them not taking it out but i i like you know there's they should have brought it up they should have you know but I can, like I said, I can see being new, me being very not wanting to bring it up because it means I'm not following what I was told to do. What I would have told, if this was my submissive, what I would mm -hmm. have told them to do was say, you should have brought it up. Yes, I made a mistake in not telling you to take it out, but 
I haven't thought about it in the past two days. You've thought about it probably all of your waking hours, mm-hmm. right? Um, and what a waste of batteries. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a battery egg. So, Dawn, we do have a new list to talk about. Where did you come across this list? I'm not even sure. I think it was on... I think someone posted the link on Polyam Ohio, which is one of the Facebook groups I'm still on. So, um, it is called 10 Ways to Be Successful at Polyamory. And basically, it is, is, it is a list of things not to do. Okay. And it's such a, a, um, a good list, I'm going to say, that I don't want to just gloss over it. So, I think we'll just do one at a time. And like many of these lists, uh, just because somebody says it is the 10 ways to be successful doesn't mean we're going to agree with nine of them. True. Or maybe we'll agree with all of them. I guess we'll find out. True. So, well, I think it starts off really good in that um, the first one is don't lie. So if you've not been on uh, listening to the podcast since we've done one of these lists, uh, just for curiosity's sake, it's going to take us 10 episodes to get through this list. It is. So the first one is don't lie. And um, what they have to say is successful polyamory is ethical, honest, and involves multiple relationships. Everyone involved is aware and consenting to the dynamic. Partners are not unknown to other partners. Be transparent. Make sure your other partners are aware and consenting. Don't start new relationships without a partner's awareness. So I would actually, I mean, that's all they have to say about don't lie. I could actually write pages and pages about don't lie. I don't like things to be withheld. I don't, me personally, I don't like that feeling of withholding something. You know, all of that sounds sounds really, really icky to me. So, Mm -hmm. to me, it goes beyond don't start new relationships without a partner's awareness. That's almost a given to me. (laughs) Uh, Well, I know, I know what you can say. First off, it depends on the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. I might have a polyamory situation... You know, I certainly see it in more of a, a polyanarchy situation where it's none of my other partner's business right. that I'm starting a new relationship. So, I, I know I want to be careful that, say, you know, that... Matter of fact, I, I, I kind of dislike the, the details behind it because then you've got to get into the minutia of, in this situation, that situation. Right. I don't really like the the don't lie rule okay. or as, as a... List item number one. I would instead say be courageous with the truth. Mm, and to mm-hmm. me, there there is a significant difference in that. In that you know, and some people are saying this this is just this exact same thing. You're saying it the other way, but it's a different slice of the same thing. Where I know what the truth is, I have to trust you, my other partners, and myself with that truth. And be willing to accept the consequences of that truth. And that's why people lie in the first place, right? They're trying to avoid the consequences. Whether it's, you know, they're trying to avoid their their partner's hurt feelings. Or they're trying to avoid having to deal with a partner with hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. They're trying to avoid not getting what they want. So they lie about how recently they've had their last STI test or something along those lines. For me, instead of don't lie, I would, I translate that into be courageous with the truth because that's just a more positive thing. And it, 
builds a positive habit in yourself. It builds yourself in a positive way. If you can start to be courageous about the truth, it's a pattern that you'll be able to continue and you'll see the benefit from it, right? I, I just, that, that's my twist on that one. I prefer that view of oh, item I number totally one. I totally agree. I don't like a list that says, don't do this thing, don't do that thing. Instead, give me something that I should be doing. So being courageous with the truth works for me. Speak the unspeakables that we, um, there's another friends of ours that say that all the time, speak the unspeakables. You know, that's all very important stuff, very courageous stuff, very empowering stuff. Right. So totally agree with that. But uh, yeah, so the whole the don't lie, I guess what makes me feel kind of funny about that is like you said, there are polyamory styles. It's not about lying. It's about not sharing everything, Mm -hmm. which to some people could be a lie, but not to all people. So like you said, like relationship anarchy, don't ask, don't tell. Mm -hmm. You know, there are situations that... Uh, this could be said that it follows. Yeah. Anyway. As we go through this list, and you gave me a little preview of this list, we'll talk about rules and boundaries and how that actually fits better than don't lie. Mm-hmm. But we'll get there in, in later episodes. So, cool. Dawn, we, we mentioned a lot about the old Discord, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of good stuff that happened on Discord. <laughs> Sometimes, though... I don't know. It's not a bad thing, but it's certainly something that makes you say, what? Uh, anyway, so you know what a suction dildo is, right? Absolutely. That's one of the sex toys I made sure to bring with us while we're RVing. And you know what a kitty cat is, right? An mm. actual four-legged cat. Right, right. So Trouvert posted on our Discord a picture of a cat, or actually a video of a cat. They took a, a suction dildo and sucked it up to the wall. And it was a rubber one, so it kind of wiggled and wiggled bounced and a little bit. <laughs> and the kitty cat came over and started boxing it. It mm-hmm. was. And Bassano said, uh, "Bassano, yeah, <laughs> when you're a male-bodied person and your partner is a kitten player." <laughs> yeah. So um, a lot of good things happening on Discord, and then that happens as well. Actually, so, that was a lot of fun. I actually love Discord. We've tried a couple of other. Um, applications to stay in touch with our listeners and our patrons and stuff. And um, Discord has been working the best. So I'm actually pretty much on there every day. Yeah, you know, it's, it's actually making comments and a fun way to interact with people. Mm-hmm. And on the, the patron side of the, the Discord channel, we've actually, actually got a, a, what is it, a channel, a room, or something that's not safe for work pictures. So that's where that's where all the fun pictures go. <laughs> Not all the fun pictures. Well, that is true. That you is did true. get some uh, tentacles in the mail. Although, before we talk to tentacles, what are D&D gummies? <laughs> so, and Sam Wall, he, he likes to send me TikToks, mm-hmm. which can be a bad thing. Because once I'm in TikTok, man, I've, I've had to delete it from my phone a couple of times simply because I get so lost in it. But anyway, and Sam Wall sent me a uh, TikTok of someone that had met someone in the bar Mm -hmm. and this lady is interviewing the guy at the bar because she's so excited because he makes gummy D&D miniatures. Mm -hmm. So you go online, you order the miniatures and then you can eat them after the game. 
So, or whatever. So they're miniature D&D gummies. And this is awesome. And I double checked and they're not edible gummies because he right. also has a way to donate gummies. You know, if you're not into eating gummies, you can uh, donate money towards having gummies sent to children's hospitals. <laughs> so, but that would just be so much fun. I, have you ever taken a gummy bear or a gummy worm and put them in the campfire? No, but I've put them in hot water before yeah. to see them melt. <laughs> yeah. Do you make the little... Ah, of course. Okay. And then also, Siger uh, sent a lot of yummy stuff. Uh, it's mainly tentacle stuff, but mm-hmm. I actually really enjoyed these. My favorite was the uh, Cthulhu summoning tattoo. Yeah, that was cool. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Indeed. So, and then um, we also got to see on Discord some uh, tattoo ideas, and uh, PT showed us her tattoo. Very Which also involves tentacles, so that was so pretty. Hope to, hope to see it in person. I was just going to say, <laughs> I hope to see that soon in person. So, God, we would have been over that way this winter and decided to take a different route. So, we'll get over there to see you, PT. Take a moment to support the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Now, oh, podcast listeners, you guys hear me say that shit every week. But do, if you have not done that yet, please take a moment to support the podcast via rating us on wherever you listen to the podcast. On one of those podcast channels, and I'm not going to tell you which one, somebody just gave us a one star. What? That's not the biggest deal in the world, except for it drags your rankings down, and it, it, it... It's annoying. Damn it. (laughs) That would be annoying. So someone is not into kinky stuff is my guess. So feel free to reach out to us as well. We love interacting with our listeners on social media. Contact us with questions, podcast comments, or just to say hi. Either on Instagram, Discord, Twitter, Facebook, FetLife, or directly through our email at Dawn. At eroticawakening.com. Wow, we, we talked so long. Wow, the, we talked so long. The music's gone. <laughs> Bye, Don. Bye, Dan.